All right. Hey, everyone. Come on. Okay, we're going. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Music and Moonsaults. I'm your host, Chris Bordine. And uh, joining me today from uh, from Love Wrestling, uh, he's got to cure your thinking of, it's Spencer Love. <laughs> See? Still funny the oh, second man. time. Uh, well, and it's like I've said before, and I'll say again, is like, the amount of times in my life I've heard something referenced or some sort of pun made as far as like calling Dr. Love goes, like, do you know how many times in high school I heard from a guidance counselor or something like that? Like, you should be a physician. Um, But at the very least, it's much better to hear like calling Dr. Love and get a reference to something that I truly love in that song and a reference to an album I truly love in rock and roll over than like, Hey, Spence Diamonds, which every single time makes me want to hit somebody, for lack of a better way to put it. But either way, we're not here to talk about my frustrations. We're here to talk about cool things. I'm here to hang out with a friend and talk about a hell of an album, man. Thanks yes. for having me on, Chris. Good to see you, man. Yeah, you too, man. Uh, last time you were on, we talked about uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And yeah. uh, we've uh, since we've, we've exchanged multiple DMs about all things Kiss. Uh, <laughs> we are... Uh, I, I, I'll go ahead and say it. We, we are, the two of us are on, on the front lines holding the flag for, for super kiss, <laughs> um, defending super, all well, things, but, super kiss. Um, but, kiss army 2001. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we're going to get into that. Cause I, I, I'm, I, it's, 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 you know, we're both, we're both younger gents. I think you're, you're even younger than I am, but you know, it's, it's, it's always, uh, it's always cool talking to uh, Kiss fans who are, uh, you know, around the same age as me, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, how uh, how did you get into Kiss? I, I can't remember, like, the, the first experience, for lack mm-hmm. of a better way to put it. The first, like, real memory I have of Kiss, and it's going to sound super obscure, but, like, how else do you get into things right. you love, right? It's very rarely a typical path. The first time I really remember having, like, a vivid kiss memory, um, I was literally, dude, in, like, a Spencer's Gifts or something like that. And they had, like, kiss pop-up jukeboxes or uh, jack-in-the-boxes, excuse me, not jukeboxes, um, that you would play and, like, you hit the button and Gene Simmons pops up and plays God of Thunder. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or Paul Stanley pops up and plays Love Gun or whatever. So, obviously, I knew who they were before that. I'd heard of the band. I obviously knew what they were enough to, like, go over and check these out um but that's the first real memory i have is like hitting this dumb jack-in-the-box tucked away in a corner um and hearing just some badass music now yes. fast forward a couple of years um for my dad's 40th birthday uh my mom who is like the ultimate party planner um she hired a kiss tribute band awesome. to come out to my dad's birthday. Awesome. And not only that, but she decided to surprise my dad with not only like the kiss tribute band, um, but she brought in a friend and all that sort of stuff to do on like full kiss makeup for my brothers and I. Awesome. Um, so like, you know, we're kids don't kill the magic, but she never told us they were a tribute band. So I right. grew up until I was like 18 and like, you know, dude, I, Kiss I, played my dad's I, birthday party. I, I met Kiss and I got a guitar <laughs> pick from Gene Simmons and all this sort of stuff. And like, you know, again, as silly as it sounds, but you know what kind yeah. of an experience something like that is for a kid when you meet a hero or someone larger than life, whether it turns out to be that person or not. Right. Um, those were sort of really my first steps. So literally, like my dad's 40th birthday would have been uh, 2001. Okay. He's 30 years older than me. So okay. uh, 
that would have been, you know, join the Kiss Army, as I'm sure you did too. Like, you yeah. just go through, fill out the online site, so all of that. Was, you get uh, an email every so often. So your dad was a fan <laughs> then too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Full-on okay. fan. Again, yeah, one same. of my, like, earlier memories, not the first, but one of my earlier memories is uh, he had about 25, 30 people over at our house in uh, 98 when Kiss was on the Psycho Circus oh, Tour. Nice. And uh, uh, they all did their face paint and that nice. sort of stuff, too. So, yeah. Same. So, yeah, they've always been, like, in, in you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, like, one of the first biographies I read was one of Gene Simmons' first books. Okay. And, like, yeah. you read about this demonic, satanic, how everybody hated kiss and like for me growing up in the 90s and 2000s it was a family bonding moment yeah, right yeah. you watched detroit rock city you saw how much that was the oh, antithesis yeah. of a parental relationship right. it was like one of the foundations of of my parental relationship same same my dad i was indoctrinated indoctrinated at a very long young age that's the way to put it right indoctrinated yes in kiss. you don't um, grow to be a kiss fan my uh <laughs> So my first memory is, because uh, like I said, I'm a little bit older than you. My first, my first memory is, uh, they released a VHS tape. Remember those, uh, of the three music videos off of the Crazy Nights album. And, cool. And uh, obviously, my dad had it, and and I remember playing it. And I specifically remember the first time I saw the Crazy Crazy Nights video at the end of the video when Paul Stanley is on the stage and then he ends up, he's walking on the, the fans hands out into the crowd. Yeah. Like he's, he was like some sort of Jesus or something walking on the water. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. And that, and you know, and that was non makeup kiss. And then my other thing, yeah. my other thing around that same time, you know, because I was so into it uh, and it directly to ties into the album we're going to talk about today my dad then record uh, had a blank cassette and he recorded on one side Destroyer and on the opposite side Rock and Roll Over. Well, most of Rock and Roll Over. Cool. It cut it cut <laughs> off in the middle of the solo uh, for uh, See You in Your Dreams Tonight. Ah. <laughs> oh. So for years I never I never knew like I didn't know how that song ended and I never like uh, you know obviously I heard just gonna say. Mr. Speed, what's Mr. Speed? Oh no, that yeah, Mr. Speed was on there. That was like yeah, Mr. Speed was on there, but yeah, it was it cut off right in the middle of the solo. It was kind of funny. Uh but uh anyways. So yeah, we're talking about rock and roll over. Um it came out uh came out uh the, the anniversary was actually a week ago as we're recording this. It came out on the eleventh. I uh I must have messed up my notes because I thought it was later in the month, so Oh, well, um, but anyways, if it wasn't for bad note taking. I would have passed the statistics on my first attempt to do so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, and I, I find this era of the band fascinating because this is when they're on their ascent into world domination. There, there's a couple years in the mid seventies where they just ruled the world. And, uh, this was right in that time frame, and they're coming off of the aforementioned destroyer album. And, uh, I, uh, and it was a quite a departure for them because, you know, they, they finally hit big relatively with, with the alive kiss alive in 75. And then they go and they, they, they're like, how can we, you know, where do we go from here? And they bring in Bob Ezrin who, you know, worked with Alice Cooper and do this really, uh, 
cinematic sounding album, you know, right from the beginning yeah. of Detroit Rock City through and, you know, put a lot of work into it. And so and with the and for listening to Ezrin, uh, I've listened to a couple of Bob Ezrin interviews. He was expecting to come back for the follow up, too. Um, mm-hmm. But like they started even before the album came out, they started getting cold feet about whether it was too different sounding, you know, you know, none of the songs except for like great expectations is, is about the, the usual, you know, you know, sex and partying like, like uh, the rest of the, which is weird when you talk about great expectations being the one that does fall into yeah. that category. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, but you know, Ezra really challenged him to, to, to write, go beyond the, you know, the quote unquote cock rock that they were uh, yeah. kind of writing up into that point. And, you know, all the added production with, with the pianos and, and all that kind of stuff. And so they get cold feet before the album even comes out. And then then the album comes out and it doesn't perform right away. And it's not until Beth is a single that things really start mm-hmm. taking off. So they end up going behind his back and they reach out to, uh, I believe, it was Jack Douglas, who was uh, who ended up working with like Cheap Trick and uh, Aerosmith and that, I believe, who was like a protege. Him and Eddie Kramer. Yeah. Both co-produced. Right. Well, they, they wanted Douglas to do it, but Douglas, you know, cause he was like a protege of Ezrin's uh, and he was like the next hot thing. And he, you know, he, he called Ezrin and was like, Hey, they want me to do this. They called and asked me if I wanted to do this. Like, and so that kind of caught Ezrin off guard and, and, you know, and then they didn't get back together until doing the elder, which that's a, that was a whole nother podcast we could have done, but I was just going to say that might be an album <laughs> review. We don't do. Yeah. No, no, and no. not for me, not wanting to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but then, uh, yeah. So in November 11th, 1976, they released rock and roll over, which I mean, bands were releasing two or three albums a year at that time. It's crazy when you think about it now. Um, yeah, I remember, um, you know, it was in like, uh, frick coffee news or some random like piece of literature to be honest with you and when van morrison was putting out his albums in the in the 70s there was a point in this article that i was reading where rolling stone advertised his albums this is van morrison's first album in nearly a year as like holy cow can you believe how long it's been between albums here Mm -hmm. and like you know even taylor swift who i think you know is a pretty easy example of someone who's releasing stuff pretty consistently like it's a two or three or four year process. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nuts how, how, you know, not just how great of musicians these guys were, but mm-hmm. like how prolific they were. They were, they really were. Um, so yeah, they, so instead they don't get Jack Douglas. They bring in Eddie Kramer who has really been tied to the band from the beginning. He produced the first demos. He then produced kiss alive. Uh, so they bring him in to finally produce a full length album. And I think it's, it, it's it's definitely in my top five and depending on the day you ask me it's it's number one um yeah i think uh it helps that uh the, you know what this album has maybe as a diehard fan over like something like destroyer isn't necessarily that it's a better album but it just has you know you look at this out of 10 songs only one of them really is a concert staple right now and that's calling dr love Everything else is, you know, they don't play often, if at all. Uh, whereas yeah. Destroyer, they they pretty much play the whole album, you know, save for a few tracks here and there. 
but you know they've pretty much played three quarters of destroyer for the last you know 25 years so yeah there's a little bit- yeah and you won't find you won't find any like live mr speed again to go i i keep referencing it it's my favorite song on the album okay you can't tell. but yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one um but you couldn't find it live until quite literally i think it was one of the first kiss cruises yeah mm-hmm. that they played it like like yeah. you say i think that the 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 coolest part of this for me is even as a guy who's a big fan of it, who really enjoys the album front to back, it still sometimes slides through the cracks, right? Yeah. Because like you look at Destroyer, you look at Love Gun, you look at even, you know, Psycho Circus for maybe an album that's not better than this one, but maybe has a little bit more uh, notoriety and history. Like this album, every single time I listen to it, you find something new to love about it where when you've listened to a destroyer and alive or albums like that a million times at this point, maybe you just don't get that to the same degree. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, mm-hmm. this guitar lick stands out. Oh, this vocal stands out. You've heard it all before in, in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. This is still unique to me, despite having listened to it that million different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, and, and, you know, this one is, is, this album is actually generally considered among the fan base one of the better albums. If it's not most people's yeah. number one, it, it's it's up there. Um, but I I get the same feeling uh, from an album like you know again going back to Superkiss Dynasty. Like I love Dynasty. Mm-hmm. If it, that's probably the my other you know if 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 on the uh, <laughs> if half the week it's it's rock and roll over the other half of the week it's probably Dynasty as if. You know, when you ask me what my favorite Kiss album is, um, yeah, you know, even though it's it's got that, uh, you know, it's much maligned by some people because it's the quote unquote disco record, which, you know, whatever. But uh, there's some really great stuff on that one, too. But uh, rock and roll over it. uh, Let's see here. Let me I don't even I'm not even prepared. How about that? Welcome to ninety nine percent of my life. I, you know, it's it's. I went to go pull up the, you know, to get the information from the Wikipedia, and it just it's it wasn't there. So, uh, so they cr- recorded it at the Star Theater in Nanuit, New York. Um, they uh, the they recorded Peter Chris's drums in a bathroom. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Ironically, talking about like the whole Zoom culture we've had for the last two years of things, like these guys are doing it in '76. <laughs> yeah, and it uh, it peaked at number eleven on the Billboard 200. So, something I thought was really fascinating. Um, this was the first Kiss album that Ace Frehley didn't have a writing credit, right? And at least again, from what I from what I read of everything, like you know, and and pretty easy to tell given you know, Ace's sort of reputation with Kiss, but like he was the first guy or one of the first guys that was really pushing for the return to um, rock and roll yeah. and really getting back to that sound of Kiss. So I for him to be one of the guys pushing for that and then to not have a writing credit was uh, a, a bit of a weird juxtaposition. Right. And and that's part of why this, this era is so fascinating to me is because it's not, you know, they're on the ascent as far as popularity but I mean, the cracks start forming during Destroyer. Like Ace, there are a couple songs where Ace doesn't show up, and it's not him playing lead guitar on a couple songs on that album. Yeah. Um, and again, it was very. It seemed like it was very. Uh, Gene and Paul were happy 
with with Ezrin, or at least you know wh- what he was pushing him to do, and Ace, and particularly Peter, really had a t- hard time with the with the type of uh, regimented um, recording that that Ezrin, you know, the the stories about yeah. him and, and the the camp whistle are legendary. Um, yeah. So it was kind of you know that fracture there. Um, so yeah, it is weird that he doesn't have a writing credit um, on this album. And then, uh, but on the next album, he gets to sing finally. So he was saving it. You win some, you lose some. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so there's two singles that they released off this album. Uh, Hard Luck Woman was the first single. Uh, it was written by Paul Stanley and he originally wrote it uh, because he heard like a Rod Stewart song on the radio and was like, I'm going to write a song for Rod Stewart. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, you should have Peter sing it. <laughs> yeah. And that's how yep. that, how, how that came to be. So, yeah. And I've, I've got it in my notes a couple of times through this. So maybe I'm going to combine a couple of things here, but like uh, this for me is the Peter Chris album, you know, and, and it ain't like he's the leading guy on the whole thing, but hard luck woman and baby driver by my money are, are, quite easily two of the best three songs that he's ever put out and in in my personal opinion i like hard luck woman a lot more than beth just because i like yeah. the just a more laid back vibe rather well, than the and, ballad and, vibe and, you know uh, and i know. love me some beth but it's 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 an entirely just different vibe to the two songs mm-hmm. so um peter chris it, it's funny because like one of my favorite jokes from family family guy excuse me is like the whole Nobody wants to be Peter Chris, not, not even, even Peter, Peter Chris. Chris. Yes. Yeah. But like the older I've gotten, the more I've come to appreciate not only how good of a musician he is, but just how good of a vocalist he is. He's got like a real, um, you know, for the style of music, he says it's an, like, he's just got a real, like sad vocal to him. He's very, like, he's got a real twinge to him. I he's guess. got a lot of Seeger in him. Uh, I like, Yeah. Yeah, there are there are there are certain moments where he where you if you didn't if you were if it was playing in the distance and you didn't know any better, you could you could easily confuse him, you know, vocal, you know, vocal wise uh, for Seeger. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, no, he's I mean, he's definitely out of the four original members. He's probably he's definitely number four for me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I can there's a lot of his stuff like, you know, stuff he sings. I can. I can take her and there's a lot that I can leave, but um, there's no denying how important <laughs> he was. And right up until, you know, things got, got real bad 78, 79 that he was, he was how important his, his drumming was to the band. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then the second single, the aforementioned calling Dr. Love. Interesting that they didn't release a Paul single off this album. Interesting they didn't release a Paul single. Interesting that Calling Dr. Love wasn't the first single. Like, yeah. you would think, again, with this being the the almost return to rock and roll or the return to the roots album, that, um, well, you know, again, hard, I think they were Luck trying Luck to have their cake and not, eat it, too. Uh, yeah, because, like, Hard Luck Woman was not a typical Kiss song, but you almost But they were definitely like trying to capitalize on the... the recapitalize on Beth. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly it. So mm-hmm. you get the logic. It's just you still... And it's playing Monday morning quarterback, or not even right. Monday morning quarterback, but, like, Monday morning 45 years later quarterback. <laughs> um, 
just a little odd that they didn't go that route yes. with it. But uh, but calling Doctor Love, definitely my favorite Gene song. Um, really? Yes, absolutely, hands down. Especially, okay, it's definitely the the, the best Gene song that he wrote. Uh, the only other one that's close for me is is Cold Gin, which Ace throat. See, and I was going to say it's ironic. Like, everybody almost has someone else having written their favorite song for me. So I was going to hold Jin's my Gene song. Yeah. Even though Ace wrote it. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's like 1A, you know, 1B situation. Um, yeah. It's very neck and neck. But I, given that if you gun to my head, I, I choose Colin Dr. Love. All right. Yeah. Well, I won't complain on that. Huh? Yeah. I think, <laughs> and I, you know, I think it's got a, a great Ace solo in it. Um. I, yeah, I just I just really love that song. So, um, are there any songs that are skippable for you on this album, or is this a straight ten out of ten banger? I don't know. Uh, t- take me is is fine. Oh, we're gonna usually I'm when gonna, I'm, I'm, we're gonna end this call right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every album for me has that like typical Paul Stanley four on the floor rock and roller, and I think he's done them better on other albums is the best way to put it for me. Um, Other than that, though, like, I don't know, Kiss, though, for me, like, they're like Led Zeppelin. They're like your Rolling Stones. They're like those Titans for me. They're an album band. Mm -hmm. And I like this album as a full album. So it's hard to skip when you're listening to it as an album. You know what I mean? Um, For me, it it might... And I'm sorry. I, yeah, no, it's, it's, it just goes to show. Cause like take me is my, my favorite song on the album. Cool. That's it's, it's I love that fair. song. when, uh, they, um, when they released that, uh, um, it was the, you wanted the best, you got the best, the, the live compilation that they released, right. Um, right before the reunion tour. And it supposedly mm-hmm. had like these, lost tracks from a live one and a live two. And as a kid, I didn't know any better. I just was like, Holy crap. They recorded a live version of take me for a live two and didn't put it on the album. What the heck? <laughs> well, you go and listen to today. It's quite clearly not recorded in 1977. <laughs> like it's quite clearly recorded in 1996. <laughs> I was going to say that was, that was very much not a live on the rock and roll over to yeah, no version. Yeah. So, <laughs> Much, but it's still, it's still, it's, it's a great, it, I love that song. Uh, for me, if I, if I were, and it's kind of cheating because it's the last song on the album anyway, Making Love, you mentioned the Zeppelin. This, this felt too try hard to be, you know, Zeppelin. I mean, and we all know how much Paul loves Led Zeppelin. Um, but this. True. I almost felt with it, they were going like a bit of a different, like, the comparison that I've got is like it, it almost tried to be speed metal before speed metal was a thing. A little bit. Little you know bit. what I mean? That's the best way I could put it. Because like you hear Ace, and, and Ace is a phenomenal guitar player, but he was never known for like how fast he could play right. or like the guitar uh, wizardry, I guess is the best word that I've got. Obviously, the guy's incredible, but yeah. like he was always very well known for like the melodies of his solos and, and, and that sort of stuff. And this felt very much, at least on that end, like a, I'm going to try and play this as fast as I can and hope I hit notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the other thing that throws me off about that song as someone who likes to sit in his, or especially, uh, you know, when I, before, before I, uh, I had my, a kid and 
actually had time on my hands. You know, I'm someone who liked to, you know, sit and, and, and play along with an album, you know, and everything that they do up to, up to like the eighties is all half step down except for that song, like making love for whatever reason is in standard. <laughs> Great. Makes no sense. So all you need to do, all you need to do is spend like another grand on a different guitar and just tune it a half step up. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's ways around it, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's very, it's like, you got to hit pause and either retune the guitar okay, I know, or I, change I know guitars. Capos, or... I was just going to say, and I know capos exist. I was going for the point of a joke. Yeah. But no one capos <laughs> a bass guitar. I mean, come on now. Yeah. That's fair too. <laughs> um, so yeah, those okay. Are, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but real, we're going to real quickly, we'll just run through the rest of the tracks here. Uh, it kicks off with, I want you Uh great, great opening song. Um, outstanding tune. Yes. And like, this is one that I really, really would love to see them bring. Cause it has been in the past, a concert staple. I, think I would love them... to see him bring it back. I'm trying to think, I want to say I did see them perform this song once. It was on the Freedom to Rock tour uh, in 2004, the one they did with Poison. Yeah. Um, it's but. just, it's, it's, it's only the first few seconds of it, obviously. But, like, you don't get a lot of Kiss songs other than, like, you know, rock bottom off the top of my head, where you get such a distinct sort of vibe change in the middle of a song. You know what I mean? Usually what you're served right off the bat with uh, with a Kiss tune is what you're going to get through the rest of the song. Right. It's not often you get, like, the acoustic start and then you move to the hard rock side of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, I, I Black really, Diamond. I, um, there we go. There's another good one. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't get it a ton. Um, so I like it. Yes. There's really no other way. I they, tried to make, like, a real big, long, eloquent yeah. point there. No. I like it. <laughs> yes, they did. They did perform "I Want You" on that tour, the aforementioned tour. And they also performed "I'm Making Love" off this album on that tour. Heck yeah! Uh, so heck yeah, they did. Couple, uh, couple songs off this album on that tour. You're gonna say you're split down the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, the aforementioned mentioned uh, "Take Me," which I mean, I little did I know at, at three or four years old, I'm I'm wearing this 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 cassette tape my dad made me wearing it out i didn't know what put your hand in my pocket grab into my rocket meant. i just th- thought it was a cool song chris don't sing this on the playground <laughs> <laughs> no idea uh no one ever does no one ever does it's the same way i used to run around at like nine or ten quoting austin powers movies like right. you probably just shouldn't be <laughs> um and then um and I love uh, and Destroyer was was I love this format where it kicks off with two Paul songs, and then comes right back at you with two Gene songs. So we get you know the aforementioned Colin Doctor Love, and then followed by Ladies Room. Yep. Which is and a- like Ladies Room for me, and again you know I almost feel like you should put a precursor drink every time Spencer brings up Mister Speed preemptively. Um, but one other thing that I really love about Kiss is like every album almost seems to have like like sister songs, I mm-hmm. call them. You know, Love Gun had Love Gun and I Stole Your Love, yeah. where mm-hmm. they almost just feel like the A side and the B side to yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
ladies room and Mr. Speed feel like they would have been two sides of the same single. You know what I mean? They're yeah. very similar, but they're also different enough that you're going to enjoy them in different ways. Yeah. Both great rock and rollers, both great rock and rollers for different reasons. So, um, yeah, ladies room is a banger. Yes. I would highly suggest friends that when you're done this podcast, you turn it on, turn it on, listen to the album version. Cause it's good, but also listen to the version on the live too. Cause the energy and the version on the live too is just again they're at I think their with height, anything they're at the yeah, height of their powers the, as a band at, on that album with anything that kiss does i feel like there's an asterisk to it that yes. you have to listen to the live version as well because yes. like you know credit where credit's due there are a lot of great live bands no bands were as great live as kisses you know what i mean like mm-hmm. It's just a whole nother level. And in a way, like, you know, again, Zeppelin's one of my favorite bands, the Chili Peppers, Guns N' Roses. You're, again, titans of the live music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Zeppelin's really the only one that I can even look at where it's like the live experience and the studio experience is totally different. You know, Zeppelin, you'll get your half hour days and confused jam. Kiss, you're just going to get like, you know, we're in the studio, it's 110%. You're going to get. 215% of, of piss and vinegar out of Paul, Ace, Gene, and Peter, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 apples and oranges, and I like me both apples and oranges. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then we finished outside one with uh, with Baby Driver. Uh, interesting Peter Chris song. I'm not quite sure what – what I mean, it, it's good. It's 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 uh, – it's heavy metal, but it's not like fast heavy. It's just really just lots of distorted guitars <laughs> layered on top of each other. Um, yeah. And a bass line that doesn't sound like really sound like it should fit, but somehow it fits perfectly. Um, yeah. Yeah. The best comparison I have on this one is strange ways. Yeah. And that's even like a very adjacent comparison, right? Cause like, Peter, even you, you go to his solo album, he's a very jazz, Gene oh, yeah. Krupa, like laid back swinger sort of dude. Mm-hmm. It's really rare that he sort of takes the heavy side. But this and Strange Way is both proved that he, he was very good at it. Like mm-hmm. literally the note that I've got here, dude, and it's a one liner. Peter Chris, underrated vocalist. Yes. And he just like is because the- you, 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 you know, the drumming side, I agree. Certainly important to what Kiss did. Eric Carr is the best drummer Kiss ever had oh, by a mile. Of and I mean that in the nicest way. Uh, and the, but I, Peter Chris was so, so fundamental to what yes. Kiss was doing vocally and drum wise that like, you know, if Eric Carr started with Kiss in 73, Kiss wouldn't be where they are. Exactly. If that exactly. makes sense. Oh, yeah. He might be the best they had, but he wasn't the most essential they had. See, I think, point. I think technically, I think singers, the best they've had uh, Eric, especially live. If he had uh, a better meter on him, everything, like everything, dude, those 80s concerts are, like, I love them. I love watching them. But you want to talk about going 100 miles an hour? They're going 150 miles an hour. Like. Yeah. (laughs) You ain't wrong there. I don't know. That guy, like, Zeppelin's my favorite band of all time. Oh, he's very. And, like, he's very Bonham. Oh, yeah. And. (laughs) <laughs> that's the best compliment I think anyone can give anybody who's ever picked up a set of sticks is you're very much like John Bonham. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I love too at the end of the song when like he goes, uh, 
he goes Dave Peter goes Dave Grohl before Dave Grohl existed, and he just starts screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it always cracks me up. I don't know why, and it's so funny to me. But he, and he's like, he's like, you're going 100 miles an hour. Wow. Like I can't. You put it perfectly. I can't no, do like it the, the way Dave, he does Dave it because I will. Band. I will torch my voice. But see, the best part is, is like Dave Grawl is from the Paul Stanley school of of stage banter. So it's Peter Chris mm-hmm. influenced by Dave Grawl before Dave Grawl was Dave Grawl. Yeah. Influenced by Paul Stanley, who was in Peter Chris. Yeah. Band. This is just, <laughs> we got ourselves an Inception situation going on here. Um. Uh, so we kick off side B with love them and leave them. Um, this might be other the other one that's a, that's a candidate for 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 being a skip say, depending once, on the day. Once it but... was brought up, yeah. Once it was brought up, you know, I, I've got all the time in the world for like just straight up sex, drugs, and rock and roll, rock and roll. Even this was like almost too on the nose. Um, you know, and, and especially <laughs> coming on the same album as Lady, like it's it's almost the same song as yeah. ladies room. Like you could, they're kind of interchangeable. And I think ladies room is the better song, but I was just going to say, when you've got two of the same flavors, you got to yeah. pick which one's better. Yeah. And you're right. Ladies room is just, it, it's just a better song. Um, okay. Go ahead. Talk, talk. Here's your chance to shine. Talk, talk about Dude, Mr. Steve, I, all you see, want. see me. And, and here's the thing too, is, um, it's like a great wrestling match is you can say a million different things about it. You can sit and talk about this spot, this spot, the entrance, this and that. Um, sometimes you just have to sit and say, listen to this song. Cause it's damn good. It's yes. a damn great example of rock and roll. And like, this just is, Yes. this just is. It, it's a very prototypical rock and roll song. Like you listen to the first 10, 15 seconds of it and, Half the time you'll think to yourself, is this Mr. Speed or Bang a Gong? But like, I, I I don't know. It's just got such a cool vibe about it. I think it's got such a great vocal from Paul Stanley. It's really rare, like, outside of the live setting, you see him fluctuate in, in the way he's vocalizing as much as you hear here. And I love the fact that he's really got, like, the laid back, cool 60s yeah. driving, like, a, a Stingray vibe to most of his vocal. And then you hear him at the end when he's coming, Mr. Speed. Yeah. Like you hear him hit the high, the high, yeah. high Paul family notes. And um, I don't know. It's just a very, very cool. It's prototypical kiss. It's prototypical rock and roll. Yes. And, uh, you know, sometimes things are a standard bearer for good reasons because they're damn great and they deserve to be. Yeah. And I think for me, this is uh, this is a perfect example of that. Yes. No, I agree. Like I, I, I said that facetiously, making it sound like I I wasn't a fan of the song. No, I I, I, I absolutely agree uh, that this is this is a great song, and I I, I think it does with many of many songs uh, deserves more more play in the in the Kiss pantheon. Um, yeah. Um, even the, the little things, the uh, and, and I can't even uh, sitting here. I can't even place what it's uh, reminiscent of, but uh, you know. Where he's, you know, well, you know, don't you know you can cry, I, 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 like that thing at the end of the verses is uh, it's so fifties, yeah, very so fifties, very. And when you talk about this being like a a 
throwback album or a throwback kiss album or return to the roots or again whatever sort of verbiage you want to put on it this for me exemplifies that better than any song on the album um and then we get to see you see you in your dreams again uh i got about half this song on my on my little uh homemade cassette tape and then i was like i like literally right in the middle of the guitar solo um this is an interesting one because this is this is the first time Gene records this song. He records it again for his '78 solo album. It's a little different, uh, featuring uh, back background vocals from one uh, Katie Segal, of all people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Gene Gene recording his solo album might be the most interesting part of his first book. To be honest with yeah, you, because yeah. like reading his mindset into just like music. No, I was just going to hire a bunch of celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he wanted, he actively was trying to re- reunite the Beatles on his album. Like what? Oh yeah. Like, come <laughs> on, Gene. Let's get real here for a second. Uh, yeah. I- I- interesting. I think is the best way that you could have put this, Chris. Like but- it's, it's. It's interesting because like neither time it, when you, you hear him talk, like it doesn't sound like either time he got what he wanted out of it. Like even when he had the, the, which is weird. I prefer the, this version. Um, I think the solo yeah. album version is good, but, uh, and had that been the first time I heard that song, you know, or, you know, that was the only version of that song. I probably would like that just fine. But I think this version's, it's like if you were to hear Great. when you wish upon a star first on Gene Simmons solo <sighs> album rather than in the movie Pinocchio. I'm not, I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bust his balls too bad on that one because I'm not gonna bust as, his balls as for much a of childhood a, dream. Exactly. I am not going to bust his balls for the reason he recorded exactly. it. Exactly. At the same time, my mom's favorite song is Rose Garden by Loretta Lynn. And if I recorded a version of Rose Garden and put it out to the public, it is fully open to critique. And Gene, I love you. But When You Wish Upon a Star by Gene Simmons is very, very low on my list of priorities to listen to. Yeah. There you go. Lots Uh, of love to it. (laughs) This, yeah, honestly, interesting is the best way I can put this song because it's got, like, not only the backstory to it, but it, it, it just feels... I don't know. The best way I can put it is like sometimes you see bands put out albums of like, hey, this is the B-Sides album. This is the unreleased songs album. This is the whatever. Like, this is Carnival of Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like one of those songs where they're like, oh, this is a layover from uh, Hotter Than Hell. Let's throw it on there because we want to get rid of it or whatever. It's, it's by no means a bad song, but it certainly doesn't feel like it fits in with this album at point. Right. 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 Because it's a lot more. Again, it's not it's not calling Dr. Love. It's not ladies room and it's not love him and leave him. It's not in those veins. It's a little. Yeah. I don't want to say it's it's a more softer side of Gene, but it's not. It, it, it's not the let's, you know, get straight down to business Gene, you know, that we're using. It's to. again, sort of like you brought up earlier, like to have the cake and eat it, too. Whereas yeah. like the next song we're going to talk about is Hard Luck Woman which is a very clear transition from the hard rock side of things that this is going for. 
this is again like trying to find the the middle ground of like let's be soft but still raw yeah you know um yeah hard luck woman i actually because you know i didn't get the the last couple songs on this album my relationship to this song is the garth brooks cover on the the kiss my ass album (laughs) and which isn't bad no i love well dude i and i if, if kiss was my favorite thing as a kid garth brooks was my second favorite like i loved garth brooks i still oh, do so you're he, sad as far as this goes oh yeah yeah uh and so <laughs> for me the coolest thing ever was when he was on i think it was jay leno i want to say it was jay leno and he performed hard luck woman with kiss as his backing band like yeah like what <laughs> um so yeah uh that that's my relationship to the song um and it's weird too, if you watch the full Kiss Unplugged, uh, not just you know the you know the version that was you know recorded for MTV or put out as an album, but if you watch the full version that's on Kissology, like Paul does this song, and it's like, well, if you're yeah. gonna have if you're gonna have Gene or Ace and Peter come out, like why wouldn't you wait till then? But I don't know. Yeah, no, the, uh, and if I remember, I don't remember what DVD set it was on either, but it was one of the DVD sets that was like the full retrospective that they did mm-hmm. um, right around the time of the reunion tour. And this was the first song that Peter played when he came back yes, up on the, uh, uh, at one of the Kiss conventions, yes, yep. too, because they've got one of the little clips in there. And mm-hmm. like, same thing is, is, um, you know, just sort of like the little mind worms that you get is like that always sticks with you, which impacts your love of the song. Like, I just think it's fantastic. It's a good song. There really isn't another way to put it. I think that it's it's the perfect mix. Again, it's ironic given how much we talk about like that, have your cake and eat it too. But I think this is a really great mix of showing the softer side of Kiss while still being like a good rock song in a way that Beth was still a great song, but more of a, a ballad, uh, 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 just non-rock song. There's a, and it's funny, uh, when I think of this song, I think of, I can't remember if it was Don Kirshner's rock concert or midnight special. One of those things that they were on, uh, during, you know, after this came out, this album came out and they performed, they had two performances. They were essentially music videos. Um, one yeah. of them was love them and leave them. And the other one was hard luck woman. And it, what sticks out for whatever reason in my mind so much about the, the performance of hard luck woman is I believe it's, I can't remember who's wearing the guitar, but either Gene or not Gene, either Ace or Peter is wearing a double neck guitar and is playing the top half. And the other one is standing behind them, reaching around them and playing the bottom half of the double neck guitar, which isn't how that works. (laughs) But, you know, again, it is basically a a lip sync. They call that creative license. Exactly. Exactly. It's cool. When I was a kid, I thought that's how it worked, but oh well. Uh, and then yeah, we we finished out the album with with making love. Um, Boy, this song existed. Yeah, it's Next. it's fine. <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know. It's just I, the chorus. The chorus is what the problem is for me because there's no chorus to it. It's just Paul screaming making love over and over and over and over yeah. again. It ain't exactly Shakespeare. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, as far as an album closer, it's got the nice fade out on it. Um, you know, it works. But 
that's all I can say on that end. Yeah. So. Um. Anything else, Spencer? No. Where does you this, know what? Where does I this think rank for I. You know, it's it's easily top ten. Okay. Um, I have a I have a real convincing argument to put her in my top five, but like it's the same way you described it earlier. Um, this would be in my top five early in the week, midweek it would be top three, and then end of the week it might be top ten or any combination of those. Okay. You know, like that's one of the things that I've loved most about Kiss is that um, you get so many different eras out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's this, like you can go through and do it in. T- you can do an entirely different ranked top five for masked versus unmasked. You can do all of that sort of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Um, depending on when, I'm I'm confident this is top ten. I'm fairly certain I could argue this for my top five, but uh, off the top of my head, I'd put it at seven. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, this I think. is seven, like, seven or eight. My 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 top five never changes. It's just the order changes. So. And that's exactly it. And then, like, for me, I just you start to expand it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Crazy Nights is too good. It has to be on there. It has to be on there. Oh, Creatures of the Night. Oh, it has to be on yeah. there. Right? Like, start just, like, building up reasons for everything to be the number one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, both of those albums have anniversaries next year. So, I'm sure. Hmm. Hmm. I'm always down to co- I'm always down to co- uh, talk history. Yeah. Talk history. No. Talk history. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Spencer, where can people find you, man? Dude, hopefully back on here again sooner rather oh, yeah. than later. It's an absolute blast, man. And thank you for having me again. Um, if people want to follow me, I'm pretty easy personally. I'm at Spenny Love on Twitter. If you want to follow anything we're doing in wrestling content, it ain't just me at Love Wrestling. It's a bunch of different individuals, a lot of different opinions, and all over the world. So, uh, Give us a follow at Love Wrestling CA wherever videos are played or audio is listened to. And if you want to find it all in one fell swoop, it is lovewrestling.ca on the old interweb machine. Spencer's a very good it. interviewer. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you that, are, man. You are. You're, you're really very, thank you. Um, you just have a... Uh, you're very effervescent. <laughs> thank you, man. You know what? I've never, uh, I've never had formal training or anything like that, which is why, like, I always get a little, both overly surprised and a little self-conscious when people say stuff like that. But like, you know, I just, I, I like talking to good people. Which, to be honest with you, Chris, and here's my cheap plug for you, man. That's why I always love being on here. It's always, always, always a blast chatting with you, and and you always have me on for albums I love. So oh, you know, you get a little selfish, you know, little not, extra I'm... love for you. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a strategy to these things. <laughs> you aren't booking me on for you two albums for a reason hey? <laughs> oh so so i can't i shouldn't pencil you in for the joshua tree episode next year no no i can't even make a sarcastic joke i'm i'm out conclusively out i'll find something to do so i can cancel on that one <laughs> dude i appreciate it awesome. you do great work you're a great human being and i love chatting with you so awesome for, uh, right back at you man me on again man all right. Well, for Spencer Love, I am Chris Bordine. Uh, you can follow me at Ibanez Chris, uh, Facebook.com slash Music and Moonsaults. Uh, if you want audio, just go to anchor.fm slash Christopher Bordine 5. I know that's a mouthful, but it's the best I can do. And that'll, uh, or search me on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever. I'm there. Um, 
uh just leave a leave a thumbs up on the video subscribe please uh I really want to get up to 100 subscribers so I, I can actually tell you go to youtube.com slash music and moonsault instead of here's a bunch of random letters and numbers. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that would be helpful. Uh, until next time, guys, see ya.